Today is June 3rd, 2021. And our first story, a new report suggests the White House is seeking to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci amid the ongoing email scandal. Emails prove Dr. Fauci was lying to the American public, and many are wondering if he is going to be arrested for perjury, notably Rand Paul and Tucker Carlson. In our next story, it is confirmed Andy No was reporting undercover in Portland, and he was physically beaten and attacked by Antifa and chased into a hotel. And our last story, indications the economy is in serious trouble. Inflation has reached 2008 levels, and many fear it's only going to get worse as shortages expand and money keeps getting printed. If you like this show, before we get started, leave us a good review, give us five stars. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. This could be the beginning of the end for Dr. Anthony Fauci. As a new report says, the White House is looking to remove Anthony Fauci per a White House official. Now, this comes only about a week or so after Republicans were demanding Fauci be fired because of his backtracking, his flip flopping and what many people said were lies. Republicans were pushing something called the I think it was the Fired Act, which stood for Fauci incompetence requires early dismissal or something like that. I don't know. It was very clever. Pat yourselves on the back. It was very clever. But now amid the email scandal, we're learning that Fauci has been lying to the public. He knew about the possibility of lab leak. Experts had said it appeared certain parts of COVID were engineered. And Fauci has been flip-flopping back and forth. In fact, it's been so bad that Rand Paul is taking a victory lap saying Fauci lied. Fauci committed perjury. Tucker Carlson is now asking whether or not Fauci is under a criminal investigation for having lied under oath about this. I decided to look back at some of these archives in response to Fauci appearing on CNN and doing damage control, saying things like, you know, I have an open, open mind about, about lab leak theory, but I do think it was a zoonotic transfer, meaning the COVID originated from bats, jumped to humans, and that's where it started. So I looked back at some of the things that Anthony Fauci had said, and it would appear that, no, he was fairly uh, definitive in his statements. There's no evidence. It's, it's not the case. But now he has an open mind. I don't believe him for a second. Anthony Fauci admitted he provided funding to EcoHealth Alliance, who then provided funding to the Wuhan lab. I'm not saying Anthony Fauci is directly responsible, but there is some indirect responsibility having provided some of this funding. And it would seem Fauci is worried about that coming back to haunt him. And that may be the motivation for why he lied to the American people and to Rand Paul. Now, it's not just his firing. Reports came out that Anthony Fauci would have a book coming out. Obviously, a lot of people laughed at the idea of Fauci coming out with a book about the truth and the COVID and all that stuff when he was flip flopping back and forth and providing very awful advice to people. Now the book has been pulled. Apparently it's a, it's not happening. They're saying it was it was it was a preliminary release. It shouldn't happen. Some are suggesting the White House said, yo, you can't do this. You can't put out this book. And I think perhaps that may be the case. While the official reporting may be that the book was prematurely announced. Maybe. Could it also be that the White House is seeking to remove Fauci and there are specific rules about what he can and can't say in a book and they have to uh, they have to review it. So maybe Fauci is just on the way out, which would be a good thing for everybody, in my opinion. Look, I know a lot of Democrats love the guy. 
but he has been giving inconsistent advice and he flip flops every other day. It's like he just says whatever he thinks he has to say. Like when he said, I remember he, he was asked in the interview, shouldn't people wear two masks? And he goes, it's just common sense to wear two masks. Then he came out a few days later. There's nothing saying to wear two masks. And then he came out like a week later. CDC says, Where's two, wear, wear two masks. It was, it was nonsense. It was shattering people's faith in the system. Maybe it's about time we get somebody else. And it seems like Republicans may be getting their wish because he's about to be on the way out. Let's read this news and go through what's going on right now with the email leak and why Fauci may be about to get fired. However, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to our members only area. When you sign up to become a member at TimCast.com, you're helping support our work in the event that we get suspended or shut down. And the purge is real. They've banned a lot of people. Signing up helps and you get access to uh, our members only segments, which are exclusive to our members. But don't forget, we don't have the ability to compete with the marketing department of CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. So if you really think I do a good job, you like what I have to say, sharing this video allows me to compete with these big uh, these big uh, conglomerates. Maybe you don't think I'm the best personality on YouTube or talking about news. But if you think that CNN should not be getting hundreds of millions of views, and I should, Share this video, help support my work. Let's read the story first from Inquisitor. Joe Biden administration is looking to remove Anthony Fauci after email release, reporter says. Inquisitor says conservative reporter and One American News Network anchor Jack Posobiec claimed on Wednesday morning that Joe Biden's administration is looking to get rid of Anthony Fauci, a key member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, after his emails were released to the public. Quote, White House staff are actively discussing an exit strategy for Dr. Anthony Fauci following the release of his emails yesterday per White House official. Fauci's emails were released via the Freedom of Information Act and revealed interactions he had with officials about the possible laboratory origins of coronavirus, among other things. Now, we'll break this down. Editorialization and framing is always a major component in reporting any news. So I'll tell you my thought process. An exit strategy. Typically, that's a polite way of saying they're getting rid of you. You're being fired. Sometimes you'll hear they've asked for their resignation. Oh, come on. We know what it means. It's just a PR way of saying we're firing you. Anthony Fauci is embroiled in a scandal. It is rocking the faith in the rocking faith in the institutions and those who are supposed to be leading us through this conflict. This, I should say this crisis. And so they probably want to find a way for Anthony Fauci to leave to lower the heat a little bit. So does that mean they're going to come out and say we have fired Anthony Fauci? Probably not. They're not going to give Republicans the win. But it may be that they come out and say, you know, Fauci decided to go and and focus on this book and he'll be leaving the administration, blah, blah, blah. That seems likely. Assuming this report is true, but Jack Posobiec has had some pretty big scoops uh, uh, in the past, and I think it's fairly obvious he's a you know he's a he's a large personality who knows people who are working in the White House. Seems extremely plausible considering what's going on. Inquisitor says the emails show Fauci's contradictory statements, as reported by Breitbart. The emails show that Fauci's public statements sometimes conflicted with the behind-the-scenes reality. Quote: For example, emails show Fauci scrambled in February first to determine if the United States had any potential role in funding coronavirus research abroad. After he denied denied the United States had funded research in China, the outlet noted. Breitbart also noted that Fauci pushed back against mask wearing while speaking to Sylvia Burwell, president of American University and former U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary. Fauci later clarified that his pushback was to preserve masks for healthcare workers, the Hill reported. 
But critics slammed him for not being forthright with the public. Now, Fauci said he was telling people not to wear masks if you weren't sick. He said that once they realized asymptomatic individuals could spread, that's when they started advising people to wear masks. But a large component was making sure that medical professionals had those masks. Now, some of this, some of this criticism, I think, is a little bit unwarranted because Fauci's initial position was not to wear masks. He changed his opinion later. In this email that went out, he maintained that position well into March on 60 Minutes, except something really interesting. He stated in that email that the masks can't do anything to stop the virus, which is too small. Okay, then what made him think, and seriously, that somebody who was sick wouldn't transmit the virus? Perhaps it because it would limit the spitting and the droplets, as he so described it, but it doesn't seem that they'd be all that effective anyway. Regardless, Anthony Fauci has flip-flopped way too many times. And his, what he stated is, you know, doing the CNN interview where he's trying to defend himself, he said, you know, as the science updates, we give advice based on the science. Perhaps we should have just sided, erred on the side of caution. When a bunch of people were going out and buying masks, maybe he should, he should have just said, eh, get some masks. That's it. In fact, I understand he wanted to make sure medical professionals needed masks. Maybe he should have just said, wear a scarf. Just take a cloth and wrap it over your face. It'll help. He didn't. He said people should not be walking around with masks. Imagine how many lives could have been saved if he didn't do that. Well, I want to I want to take a look at some of the things he said and then show you the current uh, criticisms and what's happening politically. First, we have this from Deadline. Dr. Anthony Fauci book scrubbed from Amazon, Barnes and Noble after premature posts, really premature posts. Last night they reported this. Could it be there's a very serious controversy scandal bubbling up and they're trying to reduce the heat? Fauci is being slammed across the board over these emails. The last thing the White House needs is for a book to come out. What is it called? Expect the unexpected. Ten lessons on truth, service and the way forward. Expected to be released by National Geographic Books on November 2nd. At this time, when people are saying Fauci lied and people died, people are questioning whether he lied under oath. I think the last thing the White House needs is a, uh, a book about truth, which will increase the heat, increase the pressure, increase the press. Now, I don't know exactly what happened. Here's what they report. Amazon and Barnes and Noble have apparently taken down a new book by Dr. Fauci. They say Fauci's 80 page book, Expect the Unexpected. 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward, is expected to be released by National Geographic Books on November 2nd. On Tuesday, the book was posted for pre-sale online at $18 on both websites. The posts were then removed. National Geographic Books confirmed the removal to DailyMail.com, which reported that the book sale had been posted accidentally and prematurely. Quote, the book was developed by National Geographic Books in connection with an upcoming National Geographic documentary film about Dr. Fauci. He will not earn any royalties from its publication. The book features interviews that Fauci had conducted during his 34 years as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. The overview states, the earnest reflections in these pages will offer a universal message on how to lead in times of crisis and find resilience in the face of disappointments and obstacles. Meanwhile, Fauci is under fire as emails published by the Washington Post appear to contradict some of his public stances on face masks and other pandemic issues. Why? How about I show you what those are? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. 
and you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. First, June 3rd, Business Insider syndicated by Yahoo News, quote, we need to keep an open mind about the lab leak theory of the coronavirus pandemic's origins. How honorable, Dr. Fauci, now that the media landscape is shifting and lab leak hypothesis has become more prominent and many people believe it may be the actual source of COVID, Fauci comes out and says, let's keep an open mind. Now, recently, Fauci said he was not convinced that this originated in uh, naturally. But let's read and I'll walk you back in time. This is a Business Insider reports. Dr. Fauci said Thursday that scientists and researchers should keep an open mind about the speculative theory that the coronavirus pandemic was caused by an accident at a Chinese lab, though he reiterated that it was more likely the virus that causes COVID was spread from animal to person. Fauci, the director of the NIAID, spoke on Morning Joe on Thursday. He also spoke on CNN. In some emails from April 2020, he and the health's director, um, I'm sorry, he and the Institute's director, uh, the National Institute of Health's director, Francis Collins, discussed the theory that the coronavirus might have first started spreading from a laboratory in China. Quote, the situation is that we didn't know, and we still don't know what the origin is, Fauci told Morning Joe, after he was asked whether he believed the lab leak theory was a conspiracy theory. How would you like to see a big, bold lie, 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 lie from Anthony Fauci? I bring you back, my friends, National Geographic, May 4th, 2020, Fauci, no scientific evidence the coronavirus was made in a Chinese lab. In an exclusive interview, the face of America's COVID-19 response cautions against the rush for states to reopen and offers his tips for handling the pandemic's information deluge. No scientific evidence. Quote, if you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, the scientific evidence is very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. Everything about the stepwise evolution over time strongly indicates the virus evolved in nature and then jumped species. Fauci says, based on the scientific evidence, he also doesn't entertain an alternate theory that someone found the coronavirus in the wild, brought it to a lab, and then it accidentally escaped. He didn't even entertain that theory. Now he's coming out and saying, we should have an open mind. So you ask me, Tim, sure. But where is the lie, right? No scientific evidence, huh? On January 31st, an email response to Dr. Fauci revealed in the Fauci leaks shows that he had contacted virologists who said, if you look closely, it looks engineered. And all, and, and they're going to name people that so-and-so, so-and-so, person, person, and person all think that this is not within our expectations of evolutionary theory. So there was evidence. 
There was scientific evidence. Now, is this National Geographic putting words in Fauci's mouth? Perhaps. Perhaps all he really said was that it leans very strongly towards zoonotic and they put words in his mouth. I think that's that's fair. I blame the media most of the time. He comes out now, though, regardless when he said he doesn't entertain an alternate theory. He doesn't. Amazing. Now he's like, oh, now we now we have to, uh, uh, you know, investigate. Here's May 5th, 2020. Anthony Fauci just crushed Donald Trump's theory on the origins of the coronavirus. Pointing out the same quote, this was the narrative that emerged in the mainstream press. No scientific evidence of a lab leak. Ah, but maybe I'm missing something. Let me explain to you how the fact checks work. A Chinese lab. Oh, that explains it. While there was certainly evidence the coronavirus was made or engineered in some location, and evidence is not definitive proof, nothing suggested it was Chinese. You see how they do these fact checks? I warn you about this, right? You'll get a story. And, and for, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know the diehard fans have heard this, but not everybody watches every video. Every video. There will be a video of Donald Trump doing a backflip, and everyone will be clamoring about how amazing the backflip was. And then you'll get a fact-checking organization like Snopes or something saying, did Donald Trump do a backflip while eating ice cream? False. And then everyone says, oh, yeah, that's, that's it's a, Donald Trump did it. It's a false story. It was fake news. It said he didn't do a backflip. No, 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 no. It said he didn't do a backflip while eating ice cream. And then it'll say, you know, false. Donald Trump did not do a backflip dot, 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 while eating ice cream. And at the end of the article, say, well, he did do a backflip. That's how they play games and manipulate. No scientific evidence the coronavirus was made in a Chinese lab. Yes, the email said possibly engineered, not in line with their expectations of evolution. That's scientists saying upon review, there is evidence to suggest it was engineered, made in a lab. But (laughs) you look at the virus, you don't see like the CCP engraved in it somewhere. So no evidence it was a Chinese lab. That's the name of the game. That's how they manipulate. Fauci not convinced COVID-19 developed naturally. That's weird. I thought there was no scientific evidence. So saith National Geographic. Now he's not convinced. Now he wants to have an open mind. Yeah. The emails got leaked. Fauci lied. People died. Now he has an open mind. Rand Paul, quote, he told me it wasn't gain of function, but admitted in these emails Rand Paul says Fauci lied to him over U.S. funded research that was being carried out in the Wuhan lab and demands he is fired. Paul appeared on the Ingram Angle, where he claimed revealed emails proved Fauci may have been in part responsible for the development of COVID-19. The junior senator from Kentucky said Fauci bears moral culpability. Paul asserted COVID-19 was created by the Wuhan Institute of Virology through the National Institute of Health Funding, a theory which has not been proven Fauci told, told him at a hearing that last month, the NIH, the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute. It's brilliant. It's how they get you. No, they did provide funding to EcoHealth Alliance, who did provide the funding to Wuhan for gain of function research. It was Dr. Fauci who wrote, I think in like 2011, that doing this gain of function research was worth it, even if it sparked a pandemic. Gain of function research is when they take a virus and they try and make the virus more potent or more deadly so they can research and try and figure out how to combat it should it emerge in the wild. It makes sense. And a lot of conservatives are like, it was reckless and irresponsible. And I'm like, well, hold on, man. It makes sense. 
We're researching different kinds of viruses, how they interact with us, and we want to understand them to the best of our abilities. It makes sense. The problem is when when there is a leak, when there is a, a, a Wuhan lab that's not doing its job properly, you don't come out and lie about it. You say this may be a very real possibility. In fact, if Fauci came out immediately and told the truth, some scientists have said to me it may be engineered. We've, we must keep an open mind and take this lab leak theory very seriously because this virus may be worse than we realized. Maybe people would have taken it more seriously. Instead, he didn't. He told people to go on cruises. He said it wasn't going to be a big deal. He said, don't wear masks. Awful advice from the get go. They want to say Paul claimed Fauci's emails show he was worried. The NIH funded gain of function research. In his email in the subject line, he says gain of function research. He was admitting it to his private underlings seven to eight months ago. Fauci appeared in an interview with the Donlin report in which he defended a grant the U.S. has provided to the Wuhan lab. Fauci also admitted he can't guarantee everything that is going on in the lab. He has denied the NIH directly funded gain of function research in Wuhan. No, it was indirect, but we get the point. Fauci was considered America's top expert on infectious disease, also explained why scientists focus their theories on the natural transmission. Fauci sent an email. He was clearly worried that this was the result of gain of function research and potentially from them. And now Fauci's coming out doing damage control. He lied. Well, here's, here's Mark Meadows. Dr. Fauci didn't share his concerns. Mark Meadows says Fauci should be brought back before Senate committee to reveal why he didn't tell coronavirus task force about fears that virus may have been engineered. Fauci lied. Don't you get it? He was reaching out to his own people. Was this gain of function? Clearly worried it was. That should have been immediately turned over to the American people so we could have dealt with this. We could have taken it more seriously. Fauci had evidence from some doctors that said it may be the case. Now, maybe things changed, but he did have some evidence. Instead, he said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, you know, it's zoonotic. Maybe that was just Fauci's bias. He didn't want to accept reality. Why? Because it implicated him. Daily Mail reports on Wednesday, more than 3,000 emails were leaked to Fauci's. They say the emails include one Fauci sent in January to two other scientists. One scientist responded saying it was possible COVID-19 was engineered. Fauci at the time was publicly dismissive of the idea the virus was man-made. The lab leak theory promoted by Trump and Pompeo is now gaining ground. On Wednesday night, Trump's chief of staff called for a hearing in Congress. Fauci's critics accuse him of deliberately downplaying the lab leak suggestion. Fauci on Wednesday evening said many of his emails were being misinterpreted. Ah, misinterpreted. Tucker Carlson with an op-ed for Fox News. Is Dr. Fauci under criminal, criminal investigation? We can only hope he is. Tucker writes, the utter, utter fraudulence of Tony Fauci is obvious now and is widely acknowledged, but it was not always so obvious. In March of last year, we interviewed Fauci on this show. We treated him with respect. We took his answers seriously. We're Americans. So we assumed the man in charge of protecting the United States from COVID must be impressive and rational. We also assumed he was honest, but we were wrong. It soon became clear that Tony Fauci was just another sleazy federal bureaucrat deeply political and often dishonest. More shocking, we then learned that Fauci himself was implicated in the very pandemic he'd been charged with fighting. Fauci supported the grotesque and dangerous experiments that appear to have made COVID possible. We came to these conclusions incrementally, spurred by evidence that accumulated over the course of a year. Tonight, we have the motherlode. Thanks to a freedom of information request from BuzzFeed, 
we have thousands of emails to and from Tony Fauci. Going back to early winter of 2020, collectively, they show that from the beginning, Fauci was worried the public might conclude that COVID originated at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Why was, why, why was Fauci concerned that Americans would conclude that? Possibly because Tony Fauci knew perfectly well he'd funded gain-of-function experiments at that same laboratory. He goes on to mention much of what I already said. He talks about everything that's happening, and then we'll move forward to the point of criminal inquiry. He says, uh, he goes on to mention a lot of the uh, news media and their lies. It's very long. Now we get to Rand Paul. This is the important part that needs to be brought up. So in March of last year, former Obama official Zeke Emanuel wrote to Fauci to ask a simple question, one that we've asked countless times. Are people who've recovered from COVID generally immune to reinfection? That applies to about 100 million uh, Americans. Fauci's response, no evidence in this regard, but you would assume that there would be substantial immunity post-infection. Yes, you would assume that. We always have. And in fact, studies show it's true. People who've had COVID and recovered almost never get sick again from COVID. They don't need to be vaccinated. Yet to this day, Fauci has never admitted that in public. In his email to Zeke Emanuel, he admitted something else that's also now obvious. Surgical masks, the paper kind all of us wear, don't really work. They offer very little protection from COVID. In fact, at least one study shows they may accelerate the transmission of viruses. They're a form of make-believe yet once again, while under oath in public, Fauci claimed precisely the opposite. Now, I'm not going to attest to Tucker Carlson's opinion. I want to stress, always talk with your doctor and make sure you're asking him specific questions about your medical health because you don't take your opinions from Tucker. You've got to do the research yourself. Ask the questions of your doctor. But Rand Paul had an exchange with, uh, uh, with Dr. Fauci. Paul said, you're telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is that they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. Paul said, if you've had a vaccine and you're wearing two masks, isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Fauci says, let me, make, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we asked Senator Paul, if, uh, if, we, if they have immunity, they are theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any science. Now, that was, I believe, Paul was interjecting. Fauci said, I disagree. We go on and I, let's just read, read more. They mentioned that Bill Gates isn't a doctor, or Tucker Tucker does. Thousands of emails from and to Dr. Fauci reveal the weight that came with his role as a rare source of frank honesty. Yeah, that was CNN. By the way, it wasn't just CNN. No reporters asked about these emails at today's White House briefing. Not one question. But you shouldn't be surprised. Of course, they didn't ask. Fauci's too big to question at that point. Oh, my God. One, biter, one Biden voter wrote back to him in March. Is there anything I can do for you besides being grateful? Wash my feet with your tears, Fauci may have responded. We can't say that he did respond that way for certain. We don't have his reply. We do know that in affluent neighborhoods throughout Washington, D.C., you can still see signs saying, thank you, Dr. Fauci. What does that tell you? Tells you that Tony Fauci is no longer a scientist, assuming he ever was. He's a figure of religious veneration. Jesus for people who don't believe in God. And they say this was adapted from Tucker Carlson's uh, show. The question is, if Fauci lied about all this, is he under criminal investigation? Of course not. You know, uh, he's not going to go to jail. Politicians and high ranking officials do not go to jail for this stuff. Will there be some kind of inquiry, some kind of anger, perhaps, but likely, likely nothing will happen. Let me show you the ramifications. Check out this tweet from Greg Price. CDC Director Robert Redfield received death threats from fellow scientists 
after suggesting in March COVID-19 could have come from, from, from the lab. This is the director of the CDC. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply getting death threats because it was much more important to people to play politics than engage in science in these screenshots we see what it says by spring of 2021 the debate over COVID-19's origins had become so noxious that death threats were flying in both directions in a CNN interview on March 26, Dr. Redfield, the former CDC director, under Trump made a candid admission. I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely ideology of the pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, you know, escaped. Redfield added that he believed the release was an accident, not an intentional act. In his view, nothing that happened since his first calls with Dr. Gao changed a simple fact. The WIV, the Wuhan lab, needed to be ruled out as a source, and it hadn't been. After the interview aired, Death threats flooded his inbox. The vitriol came not just from strangers who thought he was being racially insensitive, but also from prominent scientists, some of whom used to be his friends. One said he should just wither and die. Peter Daszak was getting death threats too, some from QAnon conspirators. They say inside the government, meanwhile, the lab leak hypothesis had survived the transition from Trump to Biden. And now I think one of the most damning things we're getting out of all of this. We know the media underplayed this. They allowed Fauci to say nonsense. They didn't investigate. They didn't talk to sources. And if they did, maybe they would have uncovered. Maybe they could have reached out to various virologists and asked them. They didn't. Why? They hated Donald Trump. Here's what they say over at Vanity Fair. A can of worms. Since December 2019, the SARS-CoV-2 virus that caused COVID had infected more than 170 million people around the world and killed more than 3.5 million. To this day, we don't know how or why this novel coronavirus suddenly appeared in the human population. Answering that question is more than an academic pursuit. Without knowing where it came from, we can't be sure we're taking the right steps to prevent recurrence. And yet, in the wake of the Lancet statement and under the cloud of Donald Trump's toxic racism, which contributed to an alarming wave of anti-Asian violence in the U.S., one possible answer to this all-important question remained largely off-limits until the spring of 2021. Behind closed doors, however, national security and public health experts and officials across a range of departments in the executive branch were locked in high stakes battles over what could and couldn't be investigated and made public. They say a months long Vanity Fair investigation, interviews with more than 40 people and a review of hundreds of pages of U.S. government documents, including internal memos, meetings, minutes and email correspondence, found that conflicts of interest stemming in part from large government grants supporting controversial virology research 
hampered the U.S. investigation into COVID's origin at every step. In one State Department meeting, officials seeking to demand transparency from the Chinese government say they were explicitly told by colleagues not to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology's gain-of-function research because it would bring unwelcome attention to the U.S. government funding of it. In an internal memo obtained by Vanity Fair, Thomas Dinano, former acting assistant secretary of state, Department's, uh, State Department's Bureau of Arms Control, Verification and Compliance, wrote that staff from two bureaus, his own and the Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation, warned leaders within his bureau not to pursue an investigation into the origins of COVID-19 because it would open a can of worms if continued. There are reasons to doubt lab leak hypothesis. There is a long, well-documented history of natural spillovers. You get the point. What we're hearing, fear of China, anger at Donald Trump, and a failing media. That's why the people weren't properly informed. So is Fauci under criminal investigation for lying? Probably not. They're going to find his exit. It will be him getting fired, but it will be called something fantastic, a promotion. Fauci is moving on to the private sector where he can do more and help the private companies come up with better solutions. That's what they'll do. They'll give him a PR escape. Meanwhile, we just need to sit back and realize the media hates you. Most of these companies, they prefer to report what makes their political agenda work or or advance, not what's true. They will ignore research. They will not do investigations. They will just say, if it comes from our political opponents, we'll ignore it. Something interesting happened. This reporting came from the Washington Post and from BuzzFeed. It could not be easily dismissed. For whatever reason, they decided to report on it. Interestingly, the framing they did on these emails was very positive for Fauci. The emails reveal frank honesty and and, an attempt to keep things together. Actually, it was extremely damning. And because of that, because of these release, they can't hide from it anymore. Something's changed. Maybe they knew the emails were coming and they're trying to preempt it. Maybe something else is coming. Maybe Fauci is bad at his job and he should have been fired a long time ago. And now he's lied under oath to Rand Paul. Maybe they will find his exit for him. We'll see. Personally, I think it is incredibly likely that Anthony Fauci leaves one way or another. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. This past weekend, we saw a story from many outlets that said Andy No reportedly attacked in Portland. And they said reportedly because they weren't sure the man who was attacked was actually Andy No. For those that aren't familiar, Andy is a journalist who covers Antifa fairly extensively, and he wrote a book about it, which I believe was like a number one bestseller on Amazon. We're now learning officially, following a statement publicly from Andy No five days after the attack, that it was in fact him, that he went down and infiltrated this Antifa protest. He got exposed. They beat him and chased him. There's a lot that needs to be said about this, and there's a lot that needs to be in a sense, sort of exposed, or I should say the situation exposes the problems of tribalism. Now, obviously, first and foremost, Andy should not have been attacked. Antifa is a a fringe extremist organization of lunatics that often get protected by the media. Journalists don't care to actually report the truth, don't stick around to to cover what Antifa is doing. Almost nobody is willing to do it. And Andy Noe was one of the few that's willing to do it. And for this, they have physically beaten him now on more than one occasion. But I'll tell you, first, I want to read this story from Willamette Week. They're a fairly biased uh, uh, source, but they actually do, strangely, 
uh, in a sense, in, in, in defend Andy. And then I want to read for you a statement. But I want to point out something. Uh, I, want to, I want to point out something that really, really bothers me. And then I'm going to give you my opinion on reporting and how I feel about Andy. Of course, many of you may have seen my tweets and a lot of people are like, that's a bad take, Tim. I don't I, look. My take's not bad. I'm right. Uh, I understand how these things work. And, I, and I'll break it down for you. But I want to show you the news first to give you the context. But I want to point something out. When this story broke and they were saying Andy No reportedly was attacked. Let me, let me, I'll let you in, all, all of you, let me let you in on a big secret. A bunch of people knew for a fact that it was Andy No and said nothing. They held their tongues. I didn't know. I genuinely did not know if that was Andy or not. And I thought it would make no sense to be Andy because there's no upside for him to actually go and do something like this. I know a lot of people are like, he's a journalist. He has to cover it. It was a relatively small run of the mill Antifa protest in Portland. It wasn't a major yearly event. And maybe Andy just doesn't realize that he is an international level reporter who doesn't need to be covering local protests. I understand, though, you know, with Portland, you've got this ongoing problem and you want to be there to document it. I get that. So I didn't believe it was him. And then I'll get into all that you know, stuff about reporting and, and conflict and security. But a lot of people on the right knew the details, said nothing. And I'm wondering to myself, why didn't you just confirm what you knew? Why is it that so many of these people would go on Twitter and say these things when, it, when, when many of them knew it was him? And it wasn't until just around uh, the time that Andy put out a statement that I learned that several people knew the whole time that Andy did this. What's, uh, I'm, I'm just genuinely confused. If, if, if he did this, it happened. It should be reported. People should be told it was Andy. Why were people refraining from reporting the news that Andy did this? I think tribalism is the big reason. I think people are more concerned with winning for their side and less concerned with the truth. I'll tell you what I'm concerned with. Knowing what's going on, having a clear understanding, and standing up for my principles. But let me read for you the story and break it down, and then I'll show you Andy No's statement. So Willamette Week, obviously a biased source. They once, uh, they once made a derogatory comment about me to which they were forced to correct and then still didn't want to. But there's a really important point in here which defends Andy, which I want, I want people to see. They say five days after attack, Andy No releases statement confirming he was chased and beaten in Portland. No closed his statement with an appeal to Portland's police and other journalists for support. They say, in a thread on Twitter, in a statement released to Willamette Week, No gave his account of the assault, which occurred when demonstrators recognized him in disguise at a rally on the one-year anniversary of this city's George Floyd protest. Quote, I was chased, attacked, and beaten by a masked mob baying for my blood, No wrote. Had I not been able to shelter, wounded and bleeding inside a hotel while they beat the doors and windows like animals, there is no doubt in my mind I would not be here today. No's account lines up with much of what Willamette Week reported that night. Though No's identity was unconfirmed, approximately 10 people split off from the larger protest to follow No and question him about his identity. They chased No for blocks before tackling him and punching him several times after his head hit the brick sidewalk of Southwest Morrison Street. I was actually surprised that Willamette Week noted these things, that not only did they beat Andy, but his head hit the brick sidewalk. I mean, it sounds like they're actually making Antifa look bad. Antifa is bad. Antifa organizations exist. Many on the left don't know this because the media doesn't report it. 
The left then uses smear tactics to insult and deride and uh, poison the well, as it were, with reporting from people like Andy No. So what happens is there was a viral video I brought up uh, uh, on the la- when I reported this when, we were, when it was unconfirmed about a random Asian guy being screamed at. Andy is so famous among Antifa, so discredited by the, the propagandists that they don't even know what he looks like. They scream at random Asian men. They must discredit him because he's one of the few that actually is going after Antifa very hard. They say after No broke free from the people hitting him, he fled through the high-end hotel near Pioneer Courthouse Square, where his pursuers tried to wrest open the front doors and called for him to meet them outside. An image on a social media thread tonight shows bruises, cuts, and a bloodied eye. He says he went to the hospital shortly after the attack. No closed his statement with an appeal to Portland's police and other journalists for support. Quote, I call on the Portland police and federal authorities to act on this before Antifa operatives hiding behind their masks succeed in murdering an American journalist on their watch. And I call on journalists and all those who believe in the First Amendment to join me in standing against the tyranny of those who use violence to terrorize, silence, and suppress truth. This is the second time in three years that protesters have attacked No, whom they consider a threat to their safety because he regularly posts their mugshots and personal information to social media following their arrests. No says he ventured back into the crowd while reporting a new chapter for his book, Unmasked, Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. And Will Emmett Week notes, this is normal. This is a very important point. Publishers often ask for follow-up chapters to bestsellers. Andy No wasn't randomly going out there. And so perhaps there was a good reason for him to be there. And I'll stand corrected on that statement when I said, what was the purpose of him being on the ground? It's why I didn't believe he would be there. And I tweeted that. But as they note, he was writing a, a, chapter, uh, a chapter for his book, which is a bestseller, and publishers often do ask for follow-up chapters. It doesn't change my opinion on the whole, but I'm willing to recognize that I understand the goal in, in going down. That's that I understand, and I can stand corrected in that regard. Police arrested one person shortly after arriving at the Nines, the hotel where Andy was hiding, but a probable cause affidavit shows that person's arrest was unrelated to the attack on No. The 26-year-old protester was arrested on suspicion of breaking a Starbucks window with a rock one month prior. Wow. The Portland police did not uh, did close the intersection of Southwest Morrison and 6th Avenue. Their perimeter appeared to be related to, a, to, to the arrest they made. They didn't interfere with the people pursuing No as they yelled at, uh, at hotel staff. No, no tweeted his threat approximately 10 minutes before appearing on the Fox News talk show, The Ingram Angle, in his first media appearance since the attack. Okay. So uh, I'll point out the obvious. When they mentioned that Andy No tweeted uh, his thread about 10 minutes before appearing on Laura Ingram, that means Andy No reached out to journalists and was talking with them. Many people knew this was Andy No. I'm not a fan of this. I think he should have issued a statement immediately. I'm a fan of people knowing the truth. And there were many conservative reporters who did not report this because they wanted to give Andy the opportunity to do what he needed to do or, or whatever, is he, whatever, it, whatever it is he wished. Sure. I don't consider that journalism. I mean, I, I guess you can. There's, just a, there's a, a bunch of different kinds of journalism. There's advocacy journalism and there's tribalist journalism. Now, in Andy's thread, uh, much of which was already published by Willamette Week, he says that, you know, no journalist should ever face violence doing his or her job. Yet on Friday, May 28th, Antifa tried to kill me again while I was reporting on the ongoing protests and riots in Portland, Oregon for a new chapter of my book. I was chased, attacked and beaten by a masked mob baying for my blood. Had I not been able to shelter wounded and bleeding inside a hotel while they beat the doors, there's no doubt in my mind I would not be here. He says Antifa wants me dead because I document what they want to stay hidden. 
The attacks against me and threats on my life are retribution for my work as a journalist, recording the tactics and true ideology of an extremist clandestine movement that relies on deception and regards the truth as the greatest threat of all. They want the right to hide their identities behind masks and erase records of their arrest and alleged crimes. They want me dead for capturing these things and reporting them. But it is the right of every journalist protected and preserved by the founding fathers to report freely without fear. I was forced to flee my home in Portland last year as the death threats escalated, but returned recently to take care of my elderly family. When I engaged in field reporting for my book, I did what every beat reporter would do. I took care to mitigate the risks and went to observe Antifa firsthand during a demonstration at the Justice Center. Like many other journalists, Antifa has tried to silence and intimidate through violence and threats. I had to cover my face and eyes to do my job and stay alive. As the Asian son of Vietnamese immigrants, I also have to be mindful of Antifa's attacks on multiple people of East Asian origin, probably under the assumption that these individuals were Andy No. He says, shortly before midnight, Antifa member John Hacker, who assaulted me in 2019, began asking me questions. I didn't answer and attempted to walk away, but a group of masked people in black followed and surrounded me. As they interrogated me, one managed to pull pull off my mask and immediately yelled, that's Andy, get him, get him. As I sprinted through downtown Portland trying to flag down help, there was no visible police presence. At Southwest 4th Avenue in Southwest Morrison, one of the black clad Antifa members tackled me to the ground in front of Pioneer Place Mall, punching my head and face repeatedly while I pleaded for them to not to kill me. All the time, I could hear the angry cries and footsteps of the mob approaching. In the chaos, I managed to seize a moment when my attackers were distracted and crawled away. As soon as I could get to my feet, I sprinted inside the only business I could see that was open, the Nines Hotel. I begged hotel staff to call 911, but they refused and ordered me to wear a mask and leave the property. I insisted, reminding them of the violent mob outside seeking to kill me. By now, masked Antifa operatives were pounding on the doors outside and windows, screaming and shouting my name. It seemed obvious they intended to make good on the hundreds of threats over the past two years to kill me. And they have made these threats many times. As you can see in these photos he posted, it says murder Andy No and kill Andy No. Afraid the windows would shatter and let the mob in, I begged someone to let me go up the elevator to escape from the lobby. More than an hour, uh, for more than an hour, Antifa extremists kept trying to get into the hotel to hunt me down and finish the job they started on the street. Dozens of riot police took up positions in front of the building where at least one online video shows extremists swearing and screaming at officers for protecting Andy No. At least one Antifa member was arrested, according to the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, charged with felony unlawful use of a weapon, felony attempted assault, felony riot, and other crimes. His bail was immediately covered by an Antifa bail fund group. Now, as Willamette Week uh, reported, assuming you trust them, this was unrelated. I think that's an important point. It shows the police were not going to help Andy. It shows the hotel did not want to help Andy. He says, later, I was escorted to an ambulance by a medic from Portland Fire and Rescue through a back entrance of the hotel. When Antifa last beat me for doing my job in 2019, doctors told me I could have died from the brain hemorrhage caused by the blows to my head. I have made more than two dozen uh, reports of subsequent threats and attacks to the Portland police. And as far as I'm aware, no action has been taken. After the 2019 assault, Antifa and their sympathizers sought to cast me as a liar, white supremacist and far right agitator who deserved to be beaten. These lies will be used again to try to discredit me and other journalists reporting on Antifa and distort the facts. But there's only one truth. I call on Portland police and federal authorities to act on this before Antifa operatives hiding behind their masks succeed in, succeed in murdering an American journalist on their watch. And I call on journalists and those who believe in the First Amendment to join me in standing against the tyranny of those who use violence to terrorize, silence and suppress the truth. He then mentions quotes from Libby Emmons, Douglas K. Murray, Jason Rance, uh, Coe Show and Abigail Schreier. 
And Blair White as the first response. I'm confused. How could Antifa assault you if it's just an idea? All right. Now, I wanted to make sure I got through the, 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 the factual information before I get into my opinion, which many conservatives and uh, people on the right are not fans of. But uh, I'm right. So I'm willing to stand corrected in saying, what was the purpose served by trying to infiltrate Antifa? Perhaps in Andy's, uh, uh, to Andy, there was a purpose. He's trying to write a new chapter as a follow-up, which is a normal thing. I wasn't familiar with that, so I understand there was a function in being there on the ground. However, I completely disagree with Andy having done this. As I stated in the video I I released prior, my opinion should be very, very obvious on this one to everyone. But let me just point out, my goal in reading the story from Willamette Week, which is left biased, and then the statement itself from Andy, was to make sure you had the information first and foremost, and now I can tell you what, what I think about it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In my video last week, I said, there's no good reason for Andy to go on the ground. He's got 853,000 Twitter followers. He has a number one best-selling book. And he is better served being a leader for this kind of coverage than being a beat reporter, which is typically an entry level position. Now, perhaps, Andy, it's 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 that being said, it doesn't mean he can't do it. You know, just because you you should be leading the charge and running the organization that's that's investigating this stuff doesn't mean you can't yourself go on the ground. But I, I just th- th- there's so much to go. Through. I put up an Instagram video about this first and foremost. There's a reason why I don't go on the ground anymore. And a lot of people are like, Tim's just jealous because he's a coward and he won't go and report. What purpose would be served if I went to Portland and started live streaming? People are like, why doesn't Tim live stream anymore? Well, for one, it's been 10 years since I started live streaming. And with most journalists who, who uh, have covered conflict and things like this, I shouldn't say most, but many, they move on to other beats for very obvious reasons. Now, I'm not going to call out anybody. Many of the journalists who knew it was Andy and didn't publish it, I completely disagree with. Had I known and had confirmation it was Andy, I would have said it immediately because you deserve to know whether it was truly him or not. I'm not going to cover for anyone regardless of whether on the right or the left, whether Antifa is good or bad or otherwise. It's about the truth. But there are many journalists I know and respect who cover things on the ground who have said in no uncertain terms, I know I can't do this forever. Many of them go on the ground in disguise, knowing that they will be attacked. But Andy No has 80 times the followers they do. He is the number one target for Antifa. If you wanted to write a new chapter of his book, he need only hire someone they've never seen before to go down and film this stuff. At a certain point, you have to recognize that. So when I started going on the ground, I, I actually pushed it a bit hard, in my opinion. I went down and covered Occupy Wall Street, and I was attacked by far leftists. And for eight or nine years, I did not stop reporting. Why? Because it was a fringe group, few and far between, who were attacking me, even though I consistently called them out, they were a fringe element. As the fringe element started to grow and become more and more prominent, 
And I started to get harassed more and more on the ground. And it turned into, instead of me going somewhere and saying, here's group A and here's group B and here's, here's what happened. Antifa threw a brick. The, 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 the people on the right, the right wing group are holding shields. The people on the left, the Antifa are holding crowbars. It turned into people running up to me and saying, yo, Tim, nice to meet you. It turned into people running up to me and saying, F you, you know, I'm going to beat you up. It turned into people focusing on me being there, which inhibited my ability to tell you what was happening. What's the purpose of journalism? The goal is to, sh- to show you what's happening so you can better understand it. If I go down to an event and it causes a dramatic ripple effect that changes the circumstances, what am I showing other than I'm going down and having a big impact on an event? So why should Andy be on the ground? Okay, well, first and foremost, again, as I stated before, he's allowed to do it. He shouldn't be attacked. But I want to show you some of the responses. I want to show you a couple responses, and I'll answer them directly. Caitlin Bennett. So here's what I tweeted. What purpose was served by trying to infiltrate Antifa? I mean, legitimate question. I understand uh, Andy's official statement is he was writing a new chapter of his book. Okay, I can accept Andy's perspective on that one. My opinion is still, I, I, don't, I don't get it. What, what chapter on your book are you going to write? You've already been on the ground. You've already covered Antifa extensively. This was not a large substantive protest. It was a run-of-the-mill Portland event that we've seen before. What were you going to write by being there infiltrating Antifa that you didn't already have access to? Stephen Crowder already infiltrated these groups. We've already heard them call for extreme violence. This particular protest, I have other conservative journalists saying to me on Facebook like, yeah, it was actually really small. It wasn't that big. I'm like, so why is he covering local news? Okay, fine. He's allowed to do it. But I don't, I, don't see, I don't see how he was going to gain anything substantive for his book. Maybe there's something I don't understand. I mentioned some journalists can't cover certain topics. Women were barred from reporting from Tahrir Square by some outlets due to violence against women specifically. This was pointless and unbelievably stupid. There, were, there, there was a story that I covered. And many people seem to, to, to like the video. It's amazing. 99% uh, thumbs up. A vice reporter wanted to go to an Algerian soccer match. She was warned they will very seriously abuse you as a woman and you cannot go to a soccer match. It's, it's not legal. Or I should say, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it was law, but it was like cultural norm. You can't do it. And she said, I'm going to go do it anyway. And she did. And she got physically attacked bad. And she sued Vice saying it's their fault. Do, do, do people think they can just literally go wherever they want and do whatever they want? I understand you think she should have been able to do it. Women's rights, hurrah, feminism. But there's a reality to contend with. What purpose was served by her being there? If you're a target and you go somewhere, you are not telling us what these people are doing. You're telling us what these people are doing to you. I understand Andy was in disguise, but they're looking for him. They're always looking for him. Caitlin Bennett with the hot take, quote, she shouldn't have been wearing a skirt and walking down that alley at night. Now, I understand the purpose of that uh, uh, statement to imply that it's victim blaming to say Andy shouldn't have been showing up. Um, I don't I don't know if Caitlin knows who I am, but I'm not a, a woke leftist. Yes, the woman should not have been wearing a skirt and walking down a dark alley at night. She should be able to. I blame the criminal if she gets attacked, but personal responsibility exists. If you walk up to an ATM machine at three in the morning with some shady guy lurking around and you're not paying attention and you get attacked, I'll be like, these things happen. 
Yeah, I mean, take responsibility. I, I love it. I, I, I talk about that story from Vice and I have everyone saying, yep, she should have known better. Why would she go and do this? It is the leftist talking point that reality doesn't exist. It is the leftist talking point that women can just do whatever they want whenever they want. It's the leftist talking point when they say men should just stop attacking women. Yeah, they should. But so long as these things exist in reality and criminals exist and violent criminals exist, at what point do we say you have responsibility for your safety? So I can say that, that Andy should have been attacked. He did wear a, a disguise. I understand that. I just think it's uh, uh, reckless, irresponsible. And he goes on Fox News. I'm not a fan. I'm just absolutely not a fan. Because now the story is Andy. Andy's not really exposing Antifa in this regard because he's already written the book about them. We already know they do this. And this protest was not particularly prominent. It was just another run of the mill garbage protest from Portland. And we have numerous stories coming out, even from the Washington Post, saying that violent elements of the far left are taking over the social justice movement. This only creates a spectacle and distracts from what's happening. Andy could have hired very easily a, fee a freelance reporter who would go down, wear the disguise, and they wouldn't know who this person was. I know many people who do this, and there are many reporters who stopped covering this because they become the story. And he can do whatever he wants. But don't expect me to come out and, and defend journalists who ignore the risks and ignore the dangers. And then the story becomes about them. I complained all day and night when I was at Vice about them sending me out with reporters who had no idea what they were doing. But I'll give you a few examples. What if, uh, uh, you know, James O'Keefe, how many times has James gone and done undercover reporting in the past several years? He doesn't because he's recognizable because they're looking for him. To be effective, he pushed the organization, he hired people, and he's doing tremendous work and he's fighting back. It's high time Andy do the same thing. He can still report, he can still aggregate, he can still be your hub for information on this fringe element group, and he can still write about it without being there physically, risking his life and tainting the story. I'll, put, I'll give you another example. Imagine somebody who is filming a house fire. There's a big difference between filming that house fire, telling people what's going on, and walking into the building and filming it. We'd probably say at that point, yo, you shouldn't do that. Uh, I get it, it's not a perfect analogy, but I don't think Andy is helping anybody by risking his life in this way. Imagine if Andy got killed. Imagine if they did, because we know, we want, we know they want to do it. Then who would run his account and write his stories and expose them. A lot of people are saying he's the best journalist, one of the only people willing to cover them. That's true. I can respect that. So why would he risk his life? These are questions I've asked myself, and it's why I don't go on the ground anymore. I was talking to many people, and I said, I would rather just go around filming things, becoming a problem because people on the left and the right are getting up in my face for a variety of reasons. And someone said to me, bro, I think the, the last time I went somewhere, they were like, what if you die? then everything you're doing and all the work you're doing, and it's gone. So the question then becomes, now that I'm getting, I think, I think we're hitting around 50 million views per month across my channels, or maybe more. It was like 120 million last election cycle. What if I decided not to do these things and decided instead to go on the ground? No, I think a lot of people would be upset by that. A lot of people are like, you got to keep doing this. You know, you've got to do this work. I, I, I accept that. A lot of people are like, Tim should get back to being on the ground. Okay, substantially less effective in reporting when I was on the ground, but it was good reporting. I can respect that and thank you for the compliments. At a certain point, the risk was so great. I said, 
I can better serve the people who, who need good journalism by running the organization. So now we're expanding and we're close to launching the new site with a newsroom. We're looking to hire journalists. We're looking to hire people who won't change the story by being there, who won't impact the story, won't be a risk to themselves and can get the story out without being discovered. I got a tweet from Elijah Schaefer I want to address as well. In response to what I said, Elijah said, what purpose was served? He is an active journalist and author commenting activity, documenting activities of Antifa activists on public property. That's his job. He was discreet and simply documenting. A physical presence does not equate agitation. They targeted him and that's tribal spectacle, WTF? Yes. First of all, I didn't say he was agitating. I said, Andy No is the literal number one target for Antifa. And at their events, they are actively looking for him and other infiltrators. The risk was beyond any, any reasonable reason to be, down, to be down there. That's it, period. They've attacked random Asian people trying to find Andy. What do you, what do you, so what do, you, what do you think? He's an active journalist and author documenting activities on Antifa activists on public property. Yes. Could you imagine if Tucker Carlson, who used to report on the ground in the Middle East, decided he was going to go and do it? It's, it's absurd. No, you guys like Tucker Carlson now being the, the, the uh, in a sense, a commentator and investigative uh, reporter. And he is. He may not be like, I'm not saying 90% of his work is investigations, but he's one of the few people calling out what needs to be called out, actually doing groundwork with his team. It, you, you'd think it was insane if Tucker said, I'm going to go back to the Middle East and report in Syria. That's absurd. Some people do it. At a certain point, you're too well known. You're risking yourself. You're changing the story. You are not doing journalism. Now, I, I think the only real criticism it comes down to is, OK, maybe uh, uh, I, I stand by my statement. It was unbelievably stupid, but perhaps naive is a better word. Perhaps Andy now needs to recognize that with a best selling book, and whatever, whatever resources he's acquired from doing this job, he needs to be leading the charge and not being the person on the ground. If he loses his life, then you will lose all of his coverage. That's why it was unbelievably stupid. I think it was reckless and irresponsible. And maybe Andy should start a 501c3 organization that tracks far left extremism because there's only a few. And yet the left way better at this. I've asked a bunch of my right wing reporter friends, a bunch of the conservatives, and I said, if you if you agree with Andy and you think that he was doing a good job being there, why don't you go down and do it? I'm not trying to say that as a gotcha. I'm saying, no, quite literally, I know many people who used to be on the ground as well, and they stopped going and they stopped going because they were getting attacked and it became impractical for them to report because instead of actually reporting, they were filming people swinging at them. And I said, so go, so go back and do it. Oh, no, I, I'd get attacked. Right. So that's it. And he does a good job. This was not a good job. That's it. I'm not going to sit here and pander for tribalis tribalistic points. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, oh, man, you know, oh, geez. So many people are coming out right now and just defending Andy. And I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm not going to uh, uh, call out people by name, but there certainly are a lot of people who knew, who knew it was him and are giving him some kind of uh, tribal benefit. I don't play those games. If someone comes to me, and, and reports and knows, knows things, I think the truth is what matters. And I think people should realize that. And I've mentioned this years ago and in the past year, and I always do. Occupy Wall Street, those leftists loved me because I was reporting out what was going on, and it was typically the police acting a fool. 
Later on, when I started documenting the far left, the extremists, and they started becoming more prominent, they started getting mad at me saying, oh, no, Tim's filming us now. And they told me, Tim, don't film us. Only film the police. And I said, no, I'm going to tell people what's actually happening. I'm not going to do anything for you or anyone else. The truth is what's important. Now, I understand the left doesn't play by the rules. And I've pointed this out. It's a challenge. If they're cheating, how do we win? Well, we need to be smart, tactful, strategic, resourceful. Andy, if Andy wants to go on the ground, he can do a couple things. Uh, if he wants reporting from the ground, one, hire someone else to do it or just get security. Lots of journalists go on the ground. They bring security guards with them. The problem is, if Andy showed up with security, it would create a ripple effect, which would change what's happening. Now, a lot of people are saying this exposed Antifa, but let me just make it very clear for, for you guys. When you're talking about persuasion and trying to inform regular people of what Antifa is, did this serve a purpose? No. Does it help your cause? No, it doesn't. You can come out and say Andy was attacked. And now people are going to be like the guy who had attacked a couple years ago. Doesn't he know they'll do this? Why would he go and do it again? And the accusation now and the fuel being used by the left is that Andy did it on purpose. Now, I'm not saying that, but I'll just tell you, if you want to convince regular people, you need a candid lens showing them doing it. I understand Andy was disguised. He clearly wasn't prepared for this, didn't have a plan and had no security because you can even have security in disguise. What needs to happen is the right needs to get better. The left is really good at this. The right is really bad at this. And because of it now, this just makes the right look bad. That's it. I have, I have done a ton of reporting. I have, I have witnessed very extreme events. I reported from Thailand. And after my, docu my documentary came out that made very powerful people look very bad, I was told, you can't come back to this country. I went to Venezuela and I was forced to flee because they made me the story. And Vice, when I talked to them on the phone, I said, we need to leave. They are tweeting about me. It's, it's broken the story and it's dangerous. And they said, can't you make this the story? That's what I was told by Vice. And I said, no. And I left Venezuela. And I came back to the US because I can't tell people what's going on if I'm just telling them what's happening to me. That's just me, though. You don't got to agree with my opinion. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, in all sincerity, look, I wish Andy know the best, obviously. I think he does good work. I, he wrote a very prominent book. You can buy it. It's uh, look up Andy Knows book on Amazon. I think it was number one. And we need his reporting because very few are willing to do it. This is not an effective way to get it done. I'll see y'all at 1 p.m. It seems we are staring down the barrel of the next major market crash, one that will dwarf 2008. And the signs are right in front of us. And the media, well, it's a mix of telling us everything is A-OK -okay and the economy is going to do better than ever. And the signs in these stories telling us it's actually the inverse. CNN reports global inflation hasn't been this high since 2008. Hmm. I wonder what happened in 2008. Russia is warning that their economy may be overheating. Let me show you some more stories. Russia is also going to be eliminating the dollar from its holdings. I wonder what that will do to the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar. We have demands for another stimulus. Fourth stimulus check petition for $2,000 a month hits 2.3 million signatures. And we have Vox.com saying guaranteed income is graduating from charity to public policy. 
This story from today. And the story, the post that shocked me the most made me think something might be happening. Over at r slash Bitcoin on Reddit, one of the top posts says the Federal Federal Reserve has discontinued the weekly release of money supply data, and you should be very worried. I'm going to read this in detail and show you the charts. I'm sure you've seen them. The massive spike in the M1 money stock discontinued. Many people said, no, 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 Tim, it's, it's not correct. That massive spike is just a change in the reporting. Okay, so the Fed changed the reporting so we can't properly track what's happening with the money supply. Look at the spike, that massive spike, and look how much it's spiking afterwards. My friends, the economy is on the verge of exploding. And I don't mean in a good way. I don't mean things are going to be great. I mean, it might, it, it might kick up in, in a certain sense, but inflation will certainly be bad. No, I'm kind of thinking that it's going to get real bad. You know, a lot of people in the media, they're saying inflation's good. It means your salary will go up. That's right. It means your savings will be depleted, though. And there's a lot of arguments from these people saying that even though inflation will be bad, what it means is we'll be getting back to work. Unemployment will go down and things will gradually improve. I don't believe that is the case. Why? Because I'm paying attention at the local level. You may have heard me talk about the food shortages over the past couple of weeks. I report on the fact that locally they were saying there were chicken and beef shortages. Now, a lot of people have told me there's no such shortages. Well, then I can't tell you why I've been unable to secure certain goods locally. Bacon was gone from the stores. Farms were telling us due to regulation they couldn't serve beef. And there is numerous reporting about chicken shortages. It's getting worse. Now we've had two attacks on our critical infrastructure. So I pay attention to these things. Gas shortages. What's happening? Well, the media reports it was a hack. Do we know for sure? I mean, no, we can trust the media and say it it may be true. But let me tell you about things that I'm seeing at the local level. You may have noticed in our vlog over at youtube.com slash castcastle that we were enjoying some mighty fine hibachi. Yes, we love to get our hibachi delivery when we're working, don't have time to cook because we're filming fun adventures for you. And uh, I love the chicken and shrimp with fried rice. Well, something happened. We were going to order again, and it said the store was closed. I said, oh, that's weird. It's closed. I mean, I guess it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, but it didn't reopen. And the next day it didn't reopen. And uh, now we're confused as to why they were shut down for so long. And then we noticed a bunch of other stores were also shut down. Local restaurants were not open well after Labor Day. I mean, it's, it's Thursday. So where, where are these people? Labor shortages, supply shortages. At the local level, I started to notice stores weren't open. I don't know, but maybe it's just me. Maybe you guys should go check around the local, at the local level, look at your local businesses and see what's going on. Is there a food shortage near you? Is there a supply shortage? I mentioned this before down the street from me, the, the barbecue joint said they had no beef. It was too expensive. They couldn't serve it. Hopefully, I think they did eventually get it back. But there's a flickering, a weird thing happening. And now we're hearing from CNN Business that global inflation hasn't been this high since 08. What happened in 08? You remember that? The major market crash. Now, truth be told, I was quite poor when that happened, so I didn't really notice. You can't really go from being homeless to more homeless. So for me, it was like, I don't know. But for a lot of people, it was devastating. Everybody was was dropped down. Everything got worse for a lot of people. We may be looking at that now. So I want to show you what they're saying over at the Bitcoin forum. Now, of course, people over at the Bitcoin forum are bullish on buying Bitcoin. And so the narrative about a collapse is good for them. Well, maybe 
I have a bunch of Bitcoin. I've, I've been buying as much as I can. I've been buying more and more and more. And you can. You can buy any amount. You can buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin, $2. And I think crypto is the right choice for me. I'm not going to give you financial advice. I can give you some other advice. And I'll tell you what not to do. Something I don't do all that often, but I think is important right now. Head over to safeandreadymeals.com. The link will be in the description below. And you can get emergency food supplies delivered to you. This is a sponsored spot. When you buy the stuff, it does help support my work and, the, and, and my company. But I'm only doing this now because I think it's the right thing to do. I have a bunch of these emergency food supplies. They're actually quite awesome. You just add water, you boil it down, you get like mac and cheese and things like that. It's fantastic. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm promoting this, first and foremost, as I said, it's a sponsor spot. You buy the stuff, it really does help my company. But more importantly, you don't want to be the person running out to the store during a shortage, fighting over the last can of beans in the parking lot. We saw it happen last year. Things have improved a little bit, but it looks like they're going to get bad now. There was that hack at the meat processing plant. I'm not saying the world's going to end. I don't know. I'm saying there are signs the economy is in serious trouble. Maybe you should take care of yourself. So I'll say there's a couple other reasons. I genuinely believe it's smart for you to have emergency food. When, uh, you know, I, 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 the way I describe, describe it is this. I got a first aid kit, right? I never use it. Hopefully I don't have to use it. In fact, I think I know where it is. A lot of people don't even know where their first aid kits are because they never use them. But you need to eat and drink water every single day. Wouldn't it make sense to have some backup stuff that lasts forever? These things last up to 25 years. You just put in the closet, you forget about it. You get some water, you put in the closet, you forget about it. If it does get bad with these shortages, and it really is as bad as, as, it, as it seems, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just paranoid. That's fine. I'll accept that. The worst case scenario is you just eat it. It's food. It's good. It tastes great. I, I mean, I genuinely, I, I love taking the stroganoff. I just make it. I throw in some tuna with it. It's fantastic. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't want to be at a point where everyone's fighting at the last minute. So I recommend it. And again, it is a sponsored spot. So you're supporting my work when you get this stuff. But uh, I'm sincere, man. I have a bunch of this. Um, I, it's, I, don't, I don't have enough to last me like for the apocalypse or anything. You know, I'd probably be good for a couple of weeks. But we had the power get knocked out recently. Sometimes it rains. Sometimes it floods. Sometimes roads get shut down. If it's as bad as people are saying it is, and in my opinion, I think it's going to get bad. I do. A lot of people think it can't happen. 2008, it was bad. Why wouldn't it happen? Check this out. Over at r slash Bitcoin, they say, in 2006, the Fed decided to abort publishing the M3 stock, dismissing it as, quote, irrelevant and not being a part of monetary policies for a long time. But the truth was M3 was increasing at a much more alarming rate, nearly two times M2 following the dot-com bailouts of the early 2000s. Just as the Fed and pro-administration pundits habitually make sure to focus on whatever consumer price measure increases the least to play down inflation, the Fed wanted to divert public attention towards a money supply measure which was increasing at a relatively lesser rate at the time, the M2 money stock. We all know what happened two years later. Now, fast forward 15 years. This is what M1 and M2 look like. Take a look over at M1. Money stock. Now, a lot of people said, Tim, you're wrong. That major spike, as I mentioned earlier, 
was just a change in how they were interpreting the data. I said, oh, wow, what a convenient time to obscure and manipulate data. Okay, then you take a look at the line after it, a substantial spike nonetheless. Fine, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's a lot lower, but take a look after 2008. You can see up until 2008, there was a steady increase in the money supply. It nearly doubles from 2008 until 2020, and then it shoots straight up. But, but, but they, they, they changed the data. They've discontinued the data, apparently. Now, here's M2. Discontinued. It's interesting. You can also see a major spike. And they're saying the data, the way they reported was just changed. I, I got to question that. Regardless of whether or not the data truly reflects something really bad happening, like a mass printing of money, which we know literally happened. I think the reporting was around 60 to 70% of all US dollars were printed in the last year. And now Joe Biden wants another trillion. You heard he wanted the six trillion. He wants another trillion. I think it's another trillion. I don't know. Another article popped up saying Joe Biden wants a trillion dollars. Where was that money come from? They print it. I want to show you some stuff. All right. Let's go back to the Bitcoin post. As you can see, the M1 money stock, which is all the loose money in active circulation, plus your checking bank deposits, is melting faces and going to the moon. M1 has risen from $4 trillion in March to, of 2020 to $18 trillion in February 2021. M2, which is M1 plus savings deposits and funds, is up as well, but not as much. This is a clear indication that people have been forced to abort saving and investing. Both these metrics are a bad look for the economy. So for the time being, the Fed has stopped the weekly release of this information while they figure out how to spin this in their favor, just like they did in 2006. Again, we know what happened two years later. So is it a year from now? Six months? Maybe two years? I don't know. I know Max Kaiser. He told me back in like 2011, Tim, you got to buy Bitcoin by as much as you can. And uh, I didn't listen. It was like 2011, 2012. I've known Max for a long time. And if I did listen, I'd be a billionaire. I'm not even kidding. Literally a billionaire. Isn't that crazy? A billionaire. Man, I wish. But to, truth be told, most of us realize that if you bought Bitcoin at a buck, you'd have sold it at 20 bucks because you'd be an idiot not to. It's a 20, you know, a, a 20x increase. But Max said it. Max came on my show on the IRL podcast and said the actual inflation rate is between 10 and 15 percent. And the Fed is, is lying about it. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But, you know, I kind of think Max knows what he's talking about when he talks about finance because the guy's been right for quite some time. You know, uh, these people who are extremely wealthy and know how finance works, I take their word for it. You know, here's some of the comments. The first comment says American government be like our aircraft carriers destabilize the dollar. Yes, this also played out quite well for the Roman Empire sarcasm off. Imagine this happened to crypto. Everyone would trash it in the news like crazy. That's right. And then we have, I'll just read one more. It is one of their reasons to go to their digital currency. They can print it limitless and easy to hide the total in circulation. By also removing the limits to any negative interest rate, they think they finally have the ultimate tool to be able to unlimited manipulate everything so they can control the, the entire of mankind. It will be molded to their utopian view. The only problem is they are not perfect, and most people will in the end also disagree with their utopian view. We can give them a shot at it or choose differently. Now, I don't know about this money supply. I'm not an economist. Maybe it won't be as bad as, as people are saying. Maybe a lot of people are crazy. But check this out. Head over to Google. I searched for this story. I saw Newsmax reported this. Russia eliminates dollar holdings from $119 billion wealth fund, originally reported by Bloomberg. But the Bloomberg link isn't working. For some reason, nothing's coming up. But there it is from four hours ago. 
Newsmax aggregated the story, which, just to clarify, literally from Bloomberg, not from Newsmax. They say, Russia will eliminate the dollar from its national well-being fund, shifting to euros, yuan, and gold, Finance Minister Anton Siluanov said, as the Kremlin seeks to reduce exposure to U.S. assets amid threats of sanctions. The transfer, which affects about $119 billion in liquid assets, will take place within the central bank's huge reserves. As a result, its market impact, if there is one, could be hard to trace. The Bank of Russia has steadily reduced holdings of dollars in the last several years as sanctions pressures from the U.S. and European Union has grown. We can make this change rather quickly. Within a month, Siluanov told reporters at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, the dollar paired gains and the ruble hit the dollar paired gains and the ruble hit the day's highs on the news Thursday. The central bank can make these changes to the well-being fund without resorting to market operations, said Sofia Donets, economist at the Renaissance Capital in Moscow. This, in some sense, is a technical thing. Putin's bid to ditch dollar picks up as export moves to euro. So what happens when a bunch of dollars get dumped? I don't know. You know, they're saying maybe there's no market operation. Maybe we won't see something. But if they really are getting off the dollar, the dollar's got to go somewhere, right? What if they just dumped $120 billion in US dollars into the market? That massive increase in dollars is not going to be good for your savings. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what it means, but I will tell you this. They say the wealth fund currently holds about 35% of its liquid assets in dollars. So it wouldn't be 120. It would be about 41.5 billion. That could be good. It means that people will be buying those dollars. So maybe that will, you know, have a neutral effect, pair gains, whatever. Or maybe it means that people are going to be less interested in holding it. They'll sell off 35% of their liquid assets at a slight loss because they don't want to be in dollars, maybe because they're watching the mass printing of money. Maybe because they saw stories like this. Petition for $2,000 a month stimulus hits 2.3 million signatures. The petition means nothing, okay? A change.org petition calling for a 2K monthly stimulus has garnered more than 2.3 million signatures. However, Democrats can only bypass Republicans one more time this year. And with infrastructure and Medicaid expansion at the top of Joe Biden's priority list, passing more direct payments may have to be a bipartisan effort. Democrats were able to pass the American Rescue Plan, Biden's $1.8 trillion relief package without any Republican support by using a method called reconciliation. Reconciliation legislation isn't subject to a filibuster, So only a simple majority of 51 votes in the Senate is needed for it to pass, which the Democratic caucus has if it's unified. With an effective means of passing legislation along party lines, there are specific rules for what reconciliation can be used for and when. Okay, I'm not super concerned about the policy of the Senate. Simply put, people want more money to be printed. Joe Biden has shown he has no problem printing a ton of money. And what will that do? Already, the money supply is in insane levels. CNN reporting inflation has at this level has not been seen since 2008. Could it be that we are on the verge of something truly, truly bad? I think so. I mean, we've got market shortages. We've got labor shortages. People don't want to work. Some people have tons of money and they're buying random nonsense. People got stimulus checks and they said, I don't know what to buy with it can't go to the bar, can't go to the movies. So they just bought stocks and the market went crazy. People who put in 700 bucks into AMC in January are cashing out at 40 grand. Same thing happened with GameStop. Same thing happened with Dogecoin. I I can't see an economy functioning this way. Now we have from Vox. Guaranteed income is graduating from charity to public policy. That's right. 
Many jurisdictions have decided to just start giving money. That's it. There you go. How can an economy function if some people are able to extract value from the system without providing value to it? It's very, very simple. You cannot extract from a system without replacing what was lost. What happens when you do? The value of the system is extracted. Nothing replaces it. The system collapses. It's quite simple, isn't it? Vox writes, it seems like everywhere you look in the U.S. these days, new guaranteed income pilot programs are springing up. Newark, New Jersey, Tacoma, uh, Newark, New Jersey, Tacoma, Washington, Denver, Colorado, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and L.A. Guaranteed income is not the same as UBI. It's similar, but guaranteed income doesn't give you enough to live off of. They say it was a big deal when Gavin Newsom announced in May 14th, he's including $35 million in a state budget to help pay for local governments to launch their own guaranteed income pilots. All right, let's think about where we go. They're giving people money for nothing. Okay, just guaranteed money. Uh, printing unemployment benefits, which Joe Biden has, has pushed to expand. Child tax care, uh, child care tax credits. And now calls for another petition. While many jurisdictions already just give more money. And people aren't producing things. Where do you think that goes? I don't know. Communism? You get an authoritarian government, a command economy where they dictate that people will just get money to go buy whatever they want without producing anything. Then they'll have to start mandating things be produced. And how do you do that? If nobody wants to work. So I don't think without military force, without police state force, without forcing people to work, communism can't happen. Collapse. That's it. Hard collapse. I look at the restaurants in my area, just closed for, I don't know, labor shortages. I look at, uh, uh, I've been trying to order some hard goods, trying to order hard drives, had trouble finding them, ordered a computer two months ago, still delayed. I have no idea where it's at. Two months later, ordering a new computer for the studio, two months. It's longer than I've ever experienced. Trying to order skate parts, rollerblade parts, frames, 3D printing materials, huge delays. It's crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe, maybe there's a, a shortage that we don't realize. I mean, they say there's trucker shortages, but then people tell me, Tim, I'm a trucker. There's no shortage. Then why aren't things getting delivered? Why is everything winding down rapidly? Could it be that M3 was discontinued or, you know, M1 and M2 are stalled? Because What's really happening is the, the government, the Fed, they're holding back tidal forces. They're holding the door as the water is, is pushing through and about to break through. The dam is going to break. And they're just making sure it lands softly. Because if overnight the economy took a massive hit and collapsed, people would panic and freak out. It'd be chaos. But if you let people down slowly, like over the last year, people won't freak out. Toilet paper is just gone. Shortages are just here to stay. Labor and supply gone. If people slowly stop being able to buy a thing, eventually they just stop trying to buy it. They give up. It's like that story about eBay. You've heard me tell many times. When eBay first launched, it was yellow. One day they changed it to white, the website, and everyone freaked out. So instead they changed it back, but then every day incremented it one step closer to white. And a year later, the website was completely white and no one cared. That's the game. Facebook learned this too. They used to do hard changes to the UI. And people would complain. It's ugly. I hate it. I want to use it. It would be a revolt. It would create a huge trend. So then they started rolling out to small percentages of Facebook one at a time. One person would complain. No one else would. You'd avoid bad press. Now we're seeing shortages escalate. We're seeing the dollar face serious trouble. 
Inflation's a coming, my friend. It's here. People are desperate to get off the dollar. Russia is getting off the dollar. At least in their well-being fund. Think about what that means when the rich people are saying to do something. Or better yet, when they're not, but they're doing something. I take a look at all these rich people buying Bitcoin like crazy. I take a look at these rich people buying property like crazy. I don't trust the mainstream media. The economy is great. It's better than ever. Uh, I couldn't get food from Applebee's yesterday. Maybe they're just closed for Memorial Day Wednesday, the long week weekend. <laughs> no idea. Seriously, I have no idea why they were closed. It's like, that's weird. It's Wednesday. Yeah, closed. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Maybe I'm paranoid. Or maybe all of these things do add up to make a, a, you know, all these grains of sand make a heap. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I hope you uh, take minor precautions. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Just, uh, you know, do what you uh, buy some supplies, safeandreadymeals.com. And I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcast at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.